On the Reconciling Marriages with Coach Jack podcast, Christian psychologist, author, and relationship coach, Dr. Jack Ito, will help you to build and restore your marriage. By learning just a few relationship skills, you can help your spouse enjoy your relationship more while getting more love and affection from your spouse. Listen to Coach Jack as he helps you with one more step toward a marriage both you and your spouse will love. Does your spouse have a psychological problem? If your spouse has psychological problems, you have to have a balance between taking care of your spouse and taking care of yourself if you want your relationship to go well. If your spouse has an ongoing psychological problem, such as anxiety, depression, ADHD, or OCD, it's easy to change from being a partner to being a caregiver and becoming more like your spouse's parent. That caring may be far more than your spouse gives you, and the result may be that you can become kind of a martyr for your relationship. If this description fits you, I want to help you today to understand how you can change your relationship back to be more like husband and wife while still taking into account your spouse's psychological problems and still being helpful. For sure, becoming a martyr doesn't happen just with spouses. It can happen with children, can happen with aging parents, and even for your job. You know if you are a martyr because if you are, you will be in your relationship entirely for the benefit of others. While it may earn you the sympathy or admiration of others, none of them would want to be in your shoes and most would downright refuse to do the job. If you are in this situation of caretaking for a spouse you love, you may eventually burn out. Even if you don't, you may feel that your life is totally unenjoyable, that you are stuck, and that there is nothing you can do. You may even have resigned yourself just to stay stuck in a hopeless situation. In my opinion, that is not only unnecessary, but presents a real danger to your relationship. Most of the time, people feel stuck it's not because they don't have better options. It's just because they're ignorant of what those options are. The vast majority of relationships could be reconciled if only people knew how. And it's rarely the case that being a martyr will truly benefit the people you want to help, whether it is your mother, your spouse, or your patients. If you are a martyr for your spouse... Well, while I admire your dedication to your cause, I would like to help you to have more meaning and joy in your life. I would like to do that while helping you to make your relationship with your spouse better and to understand that those two go hand in hand. Too many people are needlessly struggling between the ideas of sacrificing their happiness and leaving their spouse. The fact is, you can find meaning and happiness without leaving your relationship. To do that, you need to realize too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Love, patience, and selflessness are good virtues, but taken to an extreme are not virtues at all. At an extreme, love becomes neediness, patience becomes hopelessness, and selflessness becomes codependency. They must be balanced. We must love, but we must not be all accepting. We must be patient, 
but also proactive in setting the right conditions for growth. We must be selfless, but not when it leads to ongoing problems. God is an excellent example of this kind of balance. He cares for us, but he doesn't give us everything we want. He is more concerned about having a good relationship with us than he is about pleasing us. And he will not help us with things that he knows is damaging for us. These qualities of God are part of the reason we know he loves us. Let me say these things another way. For a good relationship, you must first care without giving your spouse everything he or she wants. Secondly, be more concerned about your relationship than with pleasing your spouse. And third, not help your spouse continue to do things that are harmful to him or her. Using your spouse's psychological problems as an excuse not to have good boundaries is not admirable if it hurts both of you. Consider these three impacts of a spouse with psychological problems. In deciding when to be accepting and when to use boundaries, it's important to consider three areas. You need to think about how your boundaries are likely to affect, one, your spouse's well-being, two, your relationship, and three, your own well-being. For a relationship to be healthy, all three of these things need to be in line. Boundaries are used to stop behaviors when they are damaging. If you are doing something that seems to make your spouse feel better while damaging your relationship or yourself, you must stop. For example, allowing a hoarder, someone who hoards or accumulates stuff, allowing a hoarder to accumulate more and more stuff may make him or her feel less anxious, but it's not good for your spouse or you. Taking on all work responsibilities for your depressed spouse would also not be good for either of you. Letting someone with impulse control problems or addictions be verbally or emotionally abusive is also bad for both of you. Simply doing too much for your spouse can also be harmful. Good caregivers, which also includes doctors, nurses, and spouses, good caregivers take care of themselves first so that they are in better shape for taking care of others. If you gradually allow yourself to become burned out, you will reach the point of no longer caring. Do not use caring for or not upsetting your spouse to be your excuse for not enjoying your own life. Or eventually, you won't be any good for them either. I think there is a consideration between short-term and long-term caring that I need to make. Overextending yourself for a short period of time is not really a big problem as far as relationships go. It can even be helpful. If your spouse has had a shock due to a traumatic experience, then you may need to carry the weight of the relationship and the household chores while your spouse gets help. You may need your spouse to do the same thing for you at some point. If the problem starts to appear to be a chronic, ongoing condition, then you will need to find a way to restore balance to your relationship. This can be done by getting extra help for any part of your load. You may need to hire someone to clean your house or watch your kids, even if you are at home anyway. You need to beware the belligerent spouse. Through your patience, 
it is quite possible to train your spouse to expect you to wait on him or her hand and foot. Your spouse may also use his or her psychological problems as an excuse to be abusive and demanding. Letting this pass out of guilt or sympathy is not helpful. It will only make things worse. It's not your spouse's job to make sure that you take care of him or her. It is his or her job to love you and to take care of the relationship. The same responsibility you have regardless of his or her psychological conditions. There is no diagnosis that prevents someone from being a loving spouse except those that cause major brain impairment requiring custodial care or hospitalization. If your spouse cannot or will not be loving, you need to use boundaries just as you would if your spouse did not have a psychological problem. Let me give you an example dialogue. Spouse 1, who has a psychological disorder, says, I can't go out with you. Don't you get it? I am depressed. That means I don't feel like doing anything. So get off my back about going out with you. Spouse number two, the caretaking spouse, says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to upset you. The spouse with the disorder continues, I would think by now you would have learned. Just don't bug me anymore. To which the caretaking spouse says, Okay, okay, I will stay home and take care of you. The spouse with the disorder then replies, I should hope so. I didn't ask to have this problem, you know. In this example, the disorder is depression, but you could easily substitute any other disorder. I don't know about you, but my level of saintliness is very low. I could put up with this kind of behavior for about a day, maybe. Yet, incredibly, there are many people who are replaying this scenario over and over and blaming themselves if they become impatient. The caretaking spouse in this example has actually trained the spouse with the disorder to be this way, just as a parent could spoil a child. I would like you to think in a little bit of a different way about love and sacrifice. Love requires sacrifice. That's true. But not all sacrifices are loving. The sad thing is that the sacrifices of the healthy spouse in the example I gave you do not actually aid his or her spouse in recovery. If anything, it may add extra incentive for the spouse with the disorder not to recover. This can happen if the healthy spouse fails to distinguish between the psychological symptoms and the willful behavior. Depression does not cause abusiveness, so should not be an excuse for it. You can work with a psychologist or a psychologist coach. Many of my clients have transitioned from helping too much to loving with healthy limits. You can learn to do the same thing. Now, let's imagine that this caretaking spouse says, but my spouse doesn't feel like going out. Now, with depression and panic disorder, it is true that people will not feel like making an effort to go out. That is one of the symptoms of these disorders. People with OCD may have difficulty with changes, and people with ADHD 
may be irritated by too much stimulation. There are many reasons why someone might not want to go out psychological or not. But rudeness, inconsideration, and emotional abusiveness are not symptoms of depression, panic disorder, OCD, or ADHD. It's just bad behavior. So consider yourself. Is your kindness hurting your spouse? Sometimes this kind of behavior happens with well-meaning parents who feel sorry for their children. When I worked with the Association for Retarded Citizens, I got to see many developmentally delayed children and adults who had been allowed to have all sorts of bad behaviors by their guilt-ridden parents. And that actually made it more difficult for them to be able to be in public because they developed all kinds of bad behaviors which they were allowed to have by the guilt-ridden parents. These developmentally delayed people needed to be trained and their parents needed to be trained too. The parents needed to be trained in how to set limits and stop behaviors which were interfering with socializing their children. To allow your spouse to do with you what would never work with others makes your spouse less functional. When to be nice and when to use a boundary is a question that many people have. My opinion is, is that if someone is dying, be as patient as you can, but stay safe. However, if someone is not dying, then do whatever you can to help them to live better. Sometimes that may mean that you are nice, but often means that you set healthy boundaries and make sure you are not codependent for their problems. Just as we don't buy alcohol for an alcoholic, we don't sit at home with our depressed spouse. We don't rush to remove all dangers from our overanxious spouse. And we don't tolerate verbal or physical abuse from our explosive spouse. To do so wouldn't be doing them any favors at all. To effectively use boundaries, you must overcome the idea that your spouse getting angry is the same thing as your spouse being injured. If your spouse is angry because you are having a few hours out with your friend, you are not harming your spouse. Healthy boundaries can be used with a spouse with psychological problems and need to be. Healthy boundaries protect you, your spouse, and your relationship. They are the opposite of allowing harm to come to you, your spouse, or relationship. Here is an example of the spouse in the previous example I gave you after learning how to apply a healthy boundary. So, the spouse with the disorder says, I can't go out with you. Don't you get it? I am depressed. That means I don't feel like doing anything. So get off my back about going out with you. The healthy spouse says, I get it. Thank you for being clear with me. It is helpful to know. I will just leave the invitation open, but not keep asking you. Instead, I will go out without you. Spouse with a disorder says, What? You are going out without me? Don't you think that is a little selfish for you to go out and have a good time while I'm miserable all alone at home? The healthy spouse says, yeah, I can see how it really feels that way to you. I wish you didn't need to feel miserable or be alone. The spouse with the disorder then says, 
then you will stay home. However, the healthy spouse says, no, that would only make me burn out and that wouldn't help you. Spouse with a disorder says, oh, that's all bullshit and you know it. Healthy spouse responds, I'm not going to argue with you. Spouse with a disorder is angry and says, go then, I don't care. You might think that this is not an improvement over the previous example. However, it is the start of a major improvement for both of them. Never expect people to like your boundaries, whether they are your friends, parents, children, or spouse. If you talk to your aging parent four times a week and it's burning you out, and you tell them you can only talk to them once or twice a week, they're going to be upset. They're going to try to guilt you in some way. That doesn't mean you have hurt them or injured them. In fact, you may be doing the best thing for your relationship. Never expect people to like your boundaries. If you are sure that what you are doing is healthy, then they will soon get used to your boundary and your relationship will improve. Their initial anger, sadness, or anxiety is their way to try to stop you from making this change. Once they can clearly see that their feelings do not manipulate you, their bad feelings will become less intense. For this to happen, you need to be consistent and persistent, not in arguing, but in using your boundaries. I do want to give people a special message if their spouse has borderline personality disorder. This is a very difficult disorder to have in a spouse or friend and maintain a good relationship. It can be done, however. If your spouse happens to have borderline personality disorder, then he or she may make a suicide attempt when you first set boundaries. But the healthiest thing for the person with borderline personality disorder is to realize that such control tactics will not work with you. If that person does not realize that those control tactics will not work, then what will happen is he or she will become more extreme in order to control you. It's very important for you to have professional help to set and maintain boundaries which need to be used 100% consistently if your spouse has borderline personality disorder. Do not try to do this on your own. Let me get to talking about spouses with other kinds of psychological disorders. People with mood and anxiety disorders are not likely to make suicide attempts when you set boundaries. For sure, they won't like your boundaries, but what will happen is that after a while, they will adjust. If you are going out without them, their desire to go out with you will increase. That will help them to overcome the symptoms of their disorder. Paying someone who doesn't work will not motivate them to get a job. Likewise, if you always sit home and take care of someone, they may not be able to be persuaded to get out of the house. Going out without them while maintaining a good relationship with them may be the healthy push that they need. If you can't leave your spouse alone, here are some considerations for you. In the case of children or adults who need supervisory care, then you will need to arrange for that before going out. Be sure that you make a habit of doing that, though, or things will get worse. Time does not stop passing just because you are taking care of your spouse. 
You may have personal goals that you won't be able to catch up with later on. You need to be a happy partner for your spouse. You do that not by painting on a smile and giving a cheery good morning, but by actually living and loving your life. Many people feel trapped and guilty. If you are feeling trapped in your relationship and guilty because you have to take care of your spouse but don't want to, there are things that you can do. I have four ideas for you. First, learn as much as you can about the actual symptoms of your spouse's disorder. You need to be able to distinguish the psychological disorder from the unacceptable behavior. Secondly, take yourself off the hook for making your spouse happy. That would not be your job even if your spouse did not have a psychological disorder. Thirdly, work on your relationship. Make sure you are still being an attractive spouse and not becoming like a parent for your spouse. You don't have to wait for the disorder to miraculously go away for you to do that. Some disorders won't go away, or they will come and go. Waiting for your spouse to recover from a long-term condition is a waste of your time and your spouse's time. Fourthly, and lastly, get help. A psychologically trained relationship coach can help you to improve your relationship, get to work on your happiness, and still have the proper consideration for your spouse's psychological problems. Your spouse's psychological disorder does not need to be your reason for a bad relationship. Many people successfully have good relationships with spouses with psychological conditions, and with a little learning, you can too. Thank you for listening to Reconciling Marriages with Coach Jack. Visit CoachJackIto.com to learn more skills for reconnecting with your spouse and restoring your marriage.